Hi, everyone. This is your host, Chiara Lozano with Walton Biz Talk, a student-run podcast where we have casual conversations about professional things. This podcast is powered by the Business Communication Lab at the Sam and Walton College of Business. And this season, we'll be digging deeper into the importance of adaptation in our everyday life. We have guests from all industries, backgrounds, and expertise share their contributions and thoughts on the new way of business as the world faces many new challenges. I'm joined here by Savannah and Sungmin, the co-host for this season. If you're an old listener, then you've probably already had the chance to hear them on the podcast, so let's get right into it. For today's episode, we're talking with Megan Knoll, Hull, student, a study abroad advisor on the topic of adaptability while studying abroad and how it can benefit you in your future travel endeavors. In addition, we'll also be discussing the Office of Study Abroad and International Exchange take on study abroad post-COVID as they have continued to prepare its students to take on the world. Megan, thank you so much for joining us. Before we get started, could you give us a quick introduction and tell our listeners more about your role within the Office of Study Abroad? Hi, yeah, I'm so excited to be here, so thanks for having me. Um, As Kiara said, I am Megan Hall. I'm a study abroad advisor here at the U of A. In my role, um, a big part of my job is supporting and advising Walton College of Business students. So I've gotten to work with quite a few students over the years and helping them get abroad um, and think through everything. And I also manage our Walton College faculty-led business programs, and I orchestrate and develop our pre-departure orientation. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing a little bit more. So, you know, the topic for this semester is all about adaptability. Um, Why do you believe that being an adaptable person and really understanding that skill set is important for studying abroad and how can it affect your experience? I'm curious to hear what you would say too, Kiara, but obviously I'm biased. International education has been a benchmark for me throughout my entire life. And adaptability is so critical. You buy your flight and then things change. And so you have to adapt. You go through the visa process and you go through one bureaucratic headache after another, and then things change and you have to adapt. You land in country and you expect your foreign language skills to be at this level and people are still talking to you in English and you have to adapt. You are homesick and you want to make brownies and you can't find baking soda and you have to figure it out. You have to rely and be adaptable and be game for the changes that are inevitable to come. And study abroad only hones those adaptability skills, preparing students to be future leaders because those skills are so essential for everyday life, especially right now. Speaking on adaptability, um, I wanted to ask you, we were so excited because last summer students got to return to like an in-person study abroad experience. Can you walk us through on your side, like the administrative side, what, what steps did you guys take and what plan were you guys able to put in place to adapt to COVID and studying abroad during such um, rapidly changing times? Uh, great question. What an ever-dynamic question, too. I think we just talked about how adaptability is so essential for study abroad, but even more so this past year and a half. No one expected a global pandemic um, to happen, um, and no one expected it to be what it is and continues to be. Um, so international mobility totally impacted 
international or um, COVID-19 totally impacted international mobility inherently. So we've had to really step up our pre-departure orientation. We've had to really set expectations for our students of what you're getting in. Right now, study abroad just looks very different than what it has in the past. This is not the time to get 10 stamps on your passport. This is a time to really go to a location and have a really place-based experience and get to know your favorite barista and get to know your neighborhood and get to know your country in a more meaningful level. The university itself has been really benchmarking it with its peer institutions around the SEC. We've been benchmarking with our International Education Advisory Council for best practices. And um, we've been slowly restarting. We had uh, just a couple of students in fall 2020 abroad. We had a few more students abroad in spring. And then we had about 100 students abroad this summer and this fall. So things are slowly ramping up, but it is more advising than ever. And it's more thoughtful conversations because we know that things are still changing every single day with borders opening and closing um, and different facts on the ground. But hopefully, the light is at the end of the tunnel and things keep going, getting better. Yeah, I think it's awesome that you mentioned um, just having to be more adaptable in the sense that your study abroad experience now might not look the same as how you originally thought. Um, because I know like you and I have worked together um, <laughs> many times on many different programs until I finally was able to study abroad this past summer. Um, but I think it was super important what you said about it being more based on your location and understanding that culture, because I feel like before, um, and you might remember from previous conversations, but I was just so excited um, to go to Europe and be able to go to different countries. And then with COVID, it was only like all borders were closed. So my entire experience was in Italy. But I also think that that was probably the best thing that could have happened because I had the opportunity to, like you said, connect with the local barista. I would always go to the same place, um, stuff like that. And I think that you learn more about the culture if you stay there rather than kind of skip around, go different places with your group because you just kind of stay in that bubble. Um, so talking about that, how do you think it would be like a good way to help students learn to become more adaptable if they have never been out of the country and just kind of get adjusted to that lifestyle? I mean, what you said, totally. It's so encouraging too. I'm so glad you had that experience, Kiara. Um, I think there's not an expectation for people to have gone abroad or won a Nobel Peace Prize or whatever to study abroad. Um, I think going through the study abroad process and having to pivot and pivot and pivot again, you're already gaining the skills of being adaptable. You're, you're negotiating, here are the courses I might take abroad, working with different departments and figuring out how they're actually gonna factor into your degree plan. That takes a lot of flexibility and a lot of patience. You are doing X, Y, and Z to prepare for this. And it's just about communicating and having high expectations, but also being okay when things change because inevitably they will. That is the one constant in study abroad from 
program selection to pre-departure to when you're abroad and when you get back. Um, it's even waiting for your international transcript to actually post to your UA Connect account so you can graduate. It's all of that. It's being flexible and communicating. So, so um, to retrace a little bit, we were talking about the residual effects of the pandemic. Um, have you had any students who cut their study abroad short for any reason? And if you can share, go ahead. But I get it if you can't. Um, I mean, I think the big crisis in our office, we were really the canary in the coal mine when it came to COVID-19. We had a, a good amount of students abroad in spring 2020 who had to be recalled back from their study abroad locations to return in America. So that is the big explosion um, um, and turmoil and crisis management in our office was in February and March of 2020. Um, but since then, you know, we've really hopefully prepared our students well and they have on ground support that prepares them well and communication is critical um so i don't know if that totally answers your question but yeah it does i want to kind of flip the script a little bit i know you guys also work with a lot of international exchange students and i wanted to know what does it look like um, from the other side, welcoming these students onto our campus and getting them prepared for an immersive experience here um, for the semester or however long they spend here? What does it look like um, welcoming those students on our campus and the process of getting them here, especially with like we're talking about COVID is just a recurring topic. Yeah, great question. Um, I'm so glad you mentioned international education is always reciprocal. You're going to another country and that country is also benefiting from you being there and vice versa. And our campus so benefits from our international students and our exchange students being here and helping weave in their experiences into the fabric of the U of A. Really international education at the U of A is really managed by two different offices. One is the Office of Study Abroad and we largely support outbound students. And then there's another office on campus, International Students and Scholars, ISS, that is responsible and does a fabulous job at welcoming international students and exchange students onto our campus. So the two offices were brothers and sisters. We support each other as best we can and we always try to attend all of their events where they really focus on doing their own orientation for these international students, help them set expectations for the courses they're gonna get, help them go to the sports games and manage life here on campus and get around the bus system. So um, I know just enough to be dangerous about that process. Yeah, so talking more about representation within um, our university, uh, can you give us a little bit more about how students can find more information about study abroad? Uh, obviously, there's the study abroad office, but I know that you guys do a lot of um, like meetings, stuff like that. And there's the student ambassador program. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? And if our students want to get uh, more involved in that, how they can get that information? Yeah, great question. Um, really, our main landing page is studyabroad.uark.edu. Students can find information about COVID-19 there. Students can schedule an appointment with me. Students can refer their loved ones to our website. 
to go in the Explore tab and learn more about health and safety measures. Students can search for programs. Students can do X, Y, and Z through this portal, as well as search for scholarships. Um, but you're right, a huge part of our job is just external outreach. We do not expect students to be walking by Store Avenue and see a cute white house and say, ooh, here's study abroad and I'm going to do that. Mm -hmm. We really need to get out and about on campus and get in front of different students groups. So on Thursday, I attended three different freshman business FBC classes to talk about study abroad and what that might look like for them, trying to meet them early. We host um, every, every week, we host different information sessions and drop-in advising hours at our multicultural center. Um, we have fabulous student ambassadors who are really working on helping the Peace Corps prep program, helping with outreach, and then helping with one of our most exciting initiatives right now is our passport project. We received a few competitive grants um, from different organizations um, and, and as well as from different departments, including Walton, um, and this will help fund um, first year and second year students who have never been out of the country before, who have never had a passport. It will help fund their first passport and it will be coupled with holistic mentorship and targeted outreach and targeted workshops um, throughout their time to hopefully give them all of the tools that they need in their toolkit to study abroad. When thinking about study abroad, it has historically only largely served a very small segment of American population, and that's true at the University of Arkansas. So we need to do better and invest more, which is what we're trying to do now, um, to diversify our study abroad populations, um, which will only serve them in the future and will only serve the countries that they go to in the future. So it's critical for us. Yeah, I think that's a great initiative, um, especially because I know the percentage is pretty low um, and it's a great way to increase that. And I feel like the University of Arkansas already has a great study abroad program. I know that when um, I was looking at schools to go into, um, that was one of the big things that was important to me as an international business student. And, you know, there's a lot of resources here. So it's great that there's the opportunity for other students to get more advantage of that um, when maybe they didn't have the resources beforehand. So just talking about that, um, can you tell us a little bit more about how the study abroad office programs has evolved over the years and just kind of take us back of like how it all began and how it has grown since? Yeah, what a good question. It could take all day. Um, there is really a program for every single person on campus, regardless if you're an international business student or you're an engineering student, an architecture student, or whatever. There's a program for everyone at all price points, on all different levels. So right now, a snapshot of what study abroad looks like is we have about 1,300 programs for students to choose from in our portfolio. And students can go to our Rome Center, which we have a Rome Center right in the heart of Rome, about five blocks away from Vatican City. There are some new business options there. Students can even finish their second semester of their sophomore year at our Rome Center and finish their business core there, which is really huge. Um, so that's one option. We also have exchange programs, which is probably historic study abroad. It is a reciprocal program where 
we have arrangements with about 20 different international institutions around the world. And you go to Aarhus, Denmark, a fabulous business school for a semester or for a year. And in return, an Aarhus, De Denmark student comes and takes your spot in Fayetteville. And so it's really historical exchange. Um, it's very much throw you in the deep end um, with being an international student on that campus with a little less holistic support from that institution. Um, then we have faculty-led programs, which are huge for Walton students. These are shorter-term programs. These are faculty-led, so you are with a U of A faculty member earning U of A credit and with U of A students for maybe two to four weeks in a certain country. So Walton is known for international business seminars in blank. International business seminar in Brazil, you can learn supply chain there, in Chile for retail management, in Ireland for accounting, marketing for Ghana, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's a ton of really good options. It's a great way of getting to know and become really close with a Walton faculty member. Um, great way to get some good recommendations in the future. Um, and then our last big pile of options is an external program. And this really helps fill out our portfolio and offer more options for students. The external program providers that we work with are vetted by our office. We're in constant communication with them. And they're the ones who are gonna pick your, the student up from the airport, help them get in the classes that they need, help them with the visa process, help them with their housing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so those are our four main ways. Since COVID, we have had to pivot, obviously. We've had to figure out how do we offer international experiences for our students when outbound mobility is so difficult. So that we've really embraced virtual international internships these past two years. And I only think they're gonna be a critical part of our conversation moving forward. It's a great way of getting international business, business experience for credit while also taking 12 other classes or 12 other hours in Fayetteville. So going on about a little bit of what you said, you said there are, I think around 1300 programs. So if there's an international student that doesn't really know which country they want to go to, what are some approaches you take to uh, help them solidify their country choice? Because it is a big decision. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's, I think that's the most overwhelming bit about this process. You have 1300 programs to choose from and all of them sound amazing. All of them are on my bucket list. So really there's four main questions that you can ask yourself to hopefully help narrow it down. One is of course location. And I think that's really a gut check. I can't tell you where the best place to go is because it's gonna be different for every student. Um, so you might wanna think about what is a foreign language that you want to improve? Have you always been taking Spanish in your Spanish minor? Do you wanna be in a Spanish speaking in country? Another one is maybe you have your family heritage is from a certain region and you want to go there and get connected with your past. Or maybe you've always dreamed of going to Southeast Asia and that's it for you. Great, you've helped narrow down our 1300 programs to a more manageable starting point. So that's just a really good gut check. Another one is what courses you need to take. For business students, office, oftentimes you need to take some upper level business electives what programs offer higher level business courses to take that can help narrow it down. Another one is time frame. 
Um, do you want to go abroad for a full academic year or do you want to just be abroad for a few, few weeks? Do you want to go abroad right before your senior year or is it better for you to go abroad earlier? Um, things like that, that can help narrow down. And then of cost, of course, different programs cost different amounts of money and we can really help you find an affordable program um, if we just start that conversation early. Here at the Business Communication Lab, I'm sure you know we get a ton of students coming in um, for us to help them peer review their study abroad applications for honors grants, just to apply, um, all sorts of things. So we're well acquainted with those applications. But since we kind of talked about narrowing down your choices and knowing exactly what you want out of um, your experience, can you touch more on like the nitty gritty um, uh, part of like applying and the process? And can you give us um, maybe a little bit of advice for students or some common mistakes that students make um, when they're applying for honors grants in their writing, just some things that they could use to um, help them stand out in the application process? Mm, good question. Um, there are definitely, students have to be adaptable because they're gonna be juggling a lot of applications through this process. Um, if students are going on a faculty-led program or an exchange program or a room center program, they're probably only gonna start off with one program application in our portal. If students are going on an external program, you're managing that external application as well as their hogs abroad university application. So there is a lot to juggle, but our office is always a really good sounding board. Students are always welcome to email me and say, oh my gosh, what do I need to do next? It's okay, deep breath, things are gonna work out. Um, so there is a lot to juggle. On top of those program applications, students should be applying for every single scholarship that they possibly qualify for. And students can find those scholarships on our mainstudyabroad.uark.edu website, and there's a big scholarships button. Um, so students should definitely be looking for that. For honors funding in particular, they're just quite specific with what they're looking for. You know, they want to have your honors courses highlighted on your transcript to be uploaded. They want X, Y, and Z. So for honors grants in particular, I totally encourage every student to attend as many honors funding workshops as possible. They have a great honors hub website with all of these tips and tricks. Um, a big thing overall for any scholarship application is, is it specific enough? Student, I don't think scholarship reviewers want to read about how a student can't wait to eat gelato in Italy. Great, that's understood, that's a basic. So true, say it again for the people in the back. Exactly, but students really need to spe specify what other program could I have done? This one is it for me. This one is perfect for me. Academically, I'm taking these kind of courses and it's gonna satisfy these degree requirements for me. Students need to say, wow, this program, I'm gonna be earning a digital career competency badge that's gonna be tied into my LinkedIn profile and it's gonna help me professionally and it's gonna help me get there professionally. Students really need to be very specific about academic and professional goals. And if honors, I've attended quite a few workshops with them and they say, if you can take away the program country and replace it with any one other one and it still makes sense, it's not specific enough. If you can write your scholarship essay for a program in Italy 
And then when you're reading it and you re replace it with South Korea and it still makes sense, yeah, you need to tailor it down and hone it. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that because that's definitely going to be very beneficial for our listeners, particularly, um, especially during this time, because we can all tell you we've had so many students coming in lately um, sure. with their grants and their scholarships um, asking for advice. So we'll definitely recommend them to listen to this as well um, and give them a little bit more of an overview. And just real quick, like as we continue to just kind of wrap up, um, I kind of wanted to ask you personally about your um, personal travel experiences and studying abroad and kind of like what made you like so passionate to help students um, learn those adaptability skills and get them through the difficult process of trying to find that perfect program for them. Um, and yeah, just give us a little bit more of a take on that. Sure. Um... So my family um, regularly hosted German exchange students throughout my childhood. So I always knew that this was a possibility for me. Um, and then I took German in high school and I was absolutely horrendous at it. Um, but I had the opportunity of doing that exchange program myself. Um, so I spent one month in between my sophomore and junior year of high school living with a family um, who ended up just becoming my second family. Um, we became very close and I realized, okay, I love them. I can't pronounce their last name. I need to stick with this and facilitate this relationship. So I got back and I decided to stick with German and I kept on Zooming and Skyping with the Riemann Schneider family in Vannegrode, Germany. And the sister even flew back to be a part of my brother's wedding. We were that close. And that informed my college decision of where I wanted to go. I ultimately studied international relations and German literature. I um, did research abroad, trying to figure out where my, why my ancestors chose to flee their home countries to America. So I did that in college, which was really fun. Got to see the Riemann Schneiders again. I then I spent a semester abroad in Germany um, and I really got to double down. Um, when I graduated, I spent two years doing the Fulbright program, teaching English in Germany and then in Austria. And that was the longest I've ever been away from the States. And I was there during just such pivotal times. I was there during the 2016 US election, I was there during the Syrian refugee crisis. I was there during the rise of far-right extremism in Western Europe. And I was the only American that my students and my co-teachers and my roommates and my favorite barista knew and engaged with on an everyday basis. And we got to explore that America is more than New York and LA and it's more than the tabloids. And this one-on-one -on -one turning nations into people thing is so important and so critical, especially for right now, that I knew whenever I came back to the States, I wanted to facilitate those opportunities for more. So yeah, I'm so glad that you share that because that's very inspirational. And it also shows that study abroad is so much more than, you know, going to a new country and like exploring around, like taking pictures, going to museums. It's really 
you know, if you really take the opportunity to immerse yourself in the culture and the people, those are relationships are going to take you forever. And that's a great example because you were talking about, you know, since high school, you had that experience. And then now it even reflected back on your career choice. So I think that's super important for our listeners to know if they're kind of thinking of doing study abroad, but they might be a little scared or they don't know if they can take that extra step. But just remember that that one opportunity can open so many doors to other experiences. And if it's not like that, it's okay. They still learn a lot about themselves and what they like and what they don't like. Um, So thank you so much for taking some time out of your day. I know it's been super busy lately. Um, but I really do appreciate um, being able to talk to you and get your take on adaptability and the importance of study abroad. So um, for everybody listening, if you like what you heard, please download and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And while you're at it, follow us on Instagram at WaltonBizTalk. That is all for this week. And we'll be back in the next few weeks with more casual conversations about professional things. Thank you.